jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three. Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard. Slovakian. Screen pass here. He'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat. He'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration. Step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg, powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Monday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to take part in the show. We do have two guests lined up for you today coming up in about 15 minutes from now. It'll be our first installment of the SOS Sports Medicine team. We'll hear from a member of that team the first Monday of every month to talk injuries. We've got Dr. Todd Battaglia joining us from the SOS Sports team coming up in about 15 minutes. Then Adrian Autry at 12.30, the latest installment of the Adrian Autry show tonight, live from Shaughnessy's 7 to 8 o'clock. But we begin the show today by talking, of course, SU football. And we now know the bowl destination. After talking about it for several weeks... Was it going to be Pinstripe? Was it going to be Camping World? Something else? Indeed, SU is heading to Orlando to face West Virginia. And I said this yesterday, Seth. To me, it feels like the best-case scenario came to be for the Orange. Going into yesterday, it felt like the best-case scenario was Camping World Bowl in Orlando against West Virginia, and that's exactly what they got. Yeah, it is the best-case scenario. And, and, you know, we had our pre uh preview show, our, our bowl special last night here on ESPN Radio, and Paulie and I were talking about it. I had a guest on from West Virginia, and, you know, it, it sounded like, based on, on what she had told us, that West Virginia was kind of upset with it. You know, they, they had higher aspirations than going to the Camping World Bowl, and, and you know what? For Syracuse, they didn't. They, this was the best that they could have done. This was the best that... Um, you know, that that was possible for Syracuse to reach. This was the pinnacle. So when you look at these two teams, it's pretty interesting to me to, to watch this. It's about as high as Syracuse could have gotten, and it's about as low as West Virginia could have gotten. You know, it's it's two teams going to the same place. They're in very different spots right now. Yeah, I mean, Syracuse is trending upwards. Uh, West Virginia had a great year. If West Virginia had beaten Oklahoma two weeks ago, uh, yeah, West Virginia would be in a in a New Year's Six uh, game, and y- y- you're right they would they would not be having to settle for a, you know a trip to Orlando to just face Syracuse in the Camping World Bowl. Um, so I get it. You know, West Virginia is disappointed. Finished 16th in the rankings. Theoretically, could have been included in the New Year's Six, but just a, a couple slots too far down. And Syracuse is thrilled to be going to Orlando. Yeah, it could not have worked out better. Uh, you know, and, and I thought that it was really interesting yesterday uh, to listen to John Wildhack, to listen to Dino Babers, and, and Steve, I know you were there too, uh, but there was a constant message that they kept giving, and, and it's, in the, it's in this answer from John Wildhack, but it's, it's, there was a very constant theme that, that I kept hearing from the two of them. It validates the season that we had because the camping world, they have the first pick after Clemson. 
Historically, they've taken the highest ranked ACC team available, and that's what they did. So I think it validates our season, nine and three. I think it's a credit to Coach Babers, the team, uh, the senior leaders. So we're, we're delighted, and we get to play uh, an old rival, and it should be one heck of a football game. They both made it very clear, didn't they, yesterday? They both made it very clear. Hey, this game is for the second-best team in the ACC. We were the second-best team in the ACC. We deserve that game. They both they hammered that point home yesterday. And they also hammered home the point, at least you know John Wildhack did, that it's time to go down and, and paint Orlando orange. He said it a couple of times in his responses. And, you know, what what was the narrative leading up to this this bowl announcement yesterday? It was, you know, is the Camping World Bowl gonna go with NC State because they can sell more tickets? You know, will Syracuse travel? You know, will Syracuse be able to sell out of its ticket allotment? You look at what happened with the Alamo Bowl. And frankly, I'm surprised that the Alamo Bowl picked Iowa State over West Virginia. But if you if you you know read the articles about it and, and look a little bit deeper, it seems like the Alamo Bowl felt more comfortable that the fans in Iowa were excited about this season for the Cyclones. They're going to gobble up the tickets. Where you know to your point, West Virginia wanted bigger and better things. West Virginia wanted a New Year's Six Day game. They didn't get that, and I think there was some concern for the Alamo Bowl officials. You know, would West Virginia traveled to this bowl game because they were disappointed. They felt comfortable that Iowa State's coming no matter what. Iowa State's pumped to be, you know, the fans of Iowa State are pumped, you know, to to be ranked and to be going to a, you know, a pretty nice bowl game. Um, and then that allowed West Virginia to to trickle down to the Camping World Bowl. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a business. Obviously, the team earned it. So first and foremost, you're right. Syracuse earned this this trip, but we also know it's a business. And they've got some tickets to sell, uh, you know, down there. The, the Camping World Bowl has tickets to sell. And this is an opportunity now for Orange Nation and SU football fans to put that perception to rest, at least for now, that, okay, you know, maybe that was in the past, but this team travels now. They, you know, fans of this team travel now, and they're, they're, on, their, they're on the rise. And, and, let, and it, let's be honest, they... They should be Syracuse fans, I, I think, and I, I don't mean to make this like a another one of these attendance discussions, but like we, they they should be energized. Yeah, I, I think is the word to use here. Like they, this should be an easy sell for the Syracuse football fan. Like, hey, you, you've got a nine and three team, best team in in seventeen years, chance to win ten games for the first time since oh one. You're ranked for the first time, you know, since oh one for the first time this long since nineteen ninety eight. Uh, you've got a chance to finish in the top twenty five. Oh, and by the way, you get to to go to a pretty nice, you know, warm weather site. You want to make a, a week out of it, go to Disney, go to, you know, go to whatever park you want. Go visit Toy Story Land and Star Wars Wars World and, and whatever else is down there. And, like, this is a pretty easy sell to to the Syracuse fan base. And, and I think that that's a, a, an interesting thing to look at, you know, as, as we're looking at attendance and, and talking about, hey, paint the town orange, get down there, whatever it may be. Like, this is, to me, this is a pretty easy sell to, to get on the plane and get down there. Well, easy sell in that it makes a lot of sense. I, I think fans are excited for this, and they're much more excited about Orlando, I think, by and large, than the Pinstripe Bowl in New York. Easy sell from that perspective. Yeah, that's it is what I expensive. Meant. It's expensive. I mean, we, you know, I looked into it last night. I'm hoping to bring my kids down. Uh, it's expensive. So no, I, I'm not disagreeing. I, I meant from like the the yes, like it's it's a much easier sell than saying, hey, they went to the Pinstripe Bowl again. Yes, right. I mean, it is for for so many reasons. You've got an entertaining game, and we talked about this, you know, leading up to to the bowl announcement that the Camping World Bowl, at least for, from where I sit, 
they were they were going to have an entertaining game if Syracuse was involved against a Big 12 team. Now, they got an even more intriguing matchup because it is an old Big East rival and they've got a matchup of two fantastic quarterbacks and so many reasons to like this actual game. A lot of times, you know, the game is secondary to the event and the pomp and circumstance of the bowl games. This game might be, and I, I believe, was it you who asked the question? Yes. about the Yes. You asked the question yesterday at the press conference. It was a good question. You know, national analysts are talking about this as, as maybe being the most attractive non-New Year's Six bowl game of the of the postseason. I, I think you're probably right. Yeah, I, I mean, that was the initial reaction I saw. The, the initial reaction I saw is we were sitting in Manly, uh, you know, waiting for Dino Babers, and, and the word started to trickle out that it's going to be Syracuse and it's going to be West Virginia in this game. Uh, the... the Everybody I saw was like, I'm in. Uh, let me let me watch that game. Let me be at that game. Uh, and so, as you said, I, I did ask Dino about it. You know, that's that's flattering. That's that's flattering. I I don't know where they would get something like that from. I know that uh, I think that that team has a really good quarterback. I think we have a really good quarterback. I think their defense is underrated. I think our defense is underrated. I'm not sure about their special teams. I haven't sat down and, and watched their special teams. I hope they're not as good as ours because I. That would be, I hope would be an advantage for us, but uh, I know this. I know they're fast, and I also know we've I've played them one time in my career, and, and it didn't end up well. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll do a lot better than the last time we played them. And we uh, we saw a uh, less than enthused West Virginia team take on a, an energized Syracuse squad in the Pinstripe Bowl a, a few years back now, and uh, and that ended up uh, going SU's way, <laughs> and it was a it was a fairly easy victory. West Virginia wanted no part of that game. Now some of it probably had to do with the weather. I think it might be a little easier to be you know energized if it's seventy five or eighty degrees and sunny than it was so. than it was that day in New York. But didn't we see that game uh, you know several years ago now when you know West Virginia. Went to the Pinstripe Bowl with you know Geno Smith at quarterback, and and they wanted no part of that game. I mean, they they fell behind early, and it was it, it felt like it was over. It felt like West Virginia just wanted to pack up and, and go home. So, um, you know, I think Dino's right. But both offenses are fantastic. Um, I, I don't know as if you can call West Virginia's defense underrated. I, I understand what he's trying to say there. He's trying to give his own defense a compliment. Uh, West Virginia's defense is not good. Um, and yeah, I think Syracuse has the edge in the kicking game, and they they have the the intangible factor of being really excited to be in this bowl game. And, and to your point, you mentioned it earlier. I'm not sure West Virginia wants to be there. No, uh, I'm not sure they the West, do. And West Virginia fans don't want to the be West there. West Virginia fans certainly don't. And, and you know, I I tweeted out that quote. I, I tweeted out, you know, Dino said we got a pretty good quarterback. They got a pretty good quarterback. Our defense is their defense is underrated. Our defense is underrated. And and a West Virginia fan replied to me and says, "Will Greer's not playing in this game." Like, okay, that shows me where West Virginia's at, right? That that shows me where West Virginia fans are heading into this game. Of yeah, we're not no, we're we're good. Like we don't we don't need that. We don't need this this around us. It's it's like a it's something that I can't fathom, where the fans are like, "Hey, sit out for your own good." Like I, I would never think that. Right? I, I would think if you're a fan, you want these guys playing. I understand why guys do it. I, I think you you understand uh, you know why why guys sit out. But I can't imagine fans are like, "Nah, Will Greer, don't play in this game. Please sit out so that you can go play in the NFL." It's becoming a trend. We're seeing it more and more. We're going to continue to see it uh, yes. more and more. Uh, Rashawn Gary from Michigan announced earlier today he's not going to play in their bowl game. Nothing official though on Will Greer. I mean, no, no, right. That's just uh, speculation from a fan. But we'll, you know, obviously see if that uh, if that comes to fruition as uh, as the game gets closer. We do need to take our first time out. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. 
live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth, back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We're broadcasting live from the DVOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. 315-437-7644. Phone lines open the rest of the way. If you'd like to check in on Q's football, Q's basketball, we, we talked at length about Syracuse going to the Camping World Bowl. We'll certainly get back into that. Uh, what a week, though, for the for the basketball squad. That, that win over Ohio State puts them just on the outside of the top 25. The new poll is out. Uh, Syracuse checks in at, I guess you could say, 27th. They're in the, the second highest in the others receiving votes category. Ohio State drops from uh, 16th down to 19th. That was an enormous win. Uh, for the program, and then you know they come back and uh, didn't play all that well against Cornell. Didn't shoot the ball all that well. I thought defensively, and that that's the interesting thing. I mean, they gave up nine three pointers, Seth. I didn't think they played all that poorly on defense. Matt Morgan is a special player. I mean, the kid's going to the NBA. Um, he was on. He scored twenty six. He was unstoppable at times, and they only gave up fifty five in the game. They had. Cornell had three shot clock violations in like the first five minutes of the game. They had five or six of them uh, on the night. I didn't think defensively SU played all that that badly, um, but they had Battle do his thing. They had Brissett do his thing, and then nobody else. Elijah Hughes didn't have a basket until the very end. Frank Howard didn't have a basket until the very end. And when you only have two guys scoring, offensively anyway, it starts to to take on a look of, of what we saw last year. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it felt like a game that Syracuse would have played last year. It was a defensive struggle. They played well defensively. Uh, they certainly played well enough defensively to win, uh, but they got nothing offensively. And, and I know that we looked at this year's team and said, hey, they'll be better offensively. And the reasons that we pointed to were... Uh, improved shooting from O'Shea Brissett, Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, and that Elijah Hughes was going to be really good. Um, and on Saturday night, Elijah Hughes wasn't really good, right? Elijah Hughes wasn't good. He he did not play a good game. He he never got going offensively. He didn't make a basket, like you said, until the very end. Um, and, and it's just kind of a, a question mark here of of sometimes he's just kind of not there. It's, it's not that he's doing anything uh, terrible. It's not that he's bricking shots and throwing passes away and not rotating on defense. He's just kind of not there, right? You you just kind of don't notice him on the court. And I, I think that's kind of uh, what happened for large stretches of, of the game on Saturday. You just didn't notice him because he wasn't making, making uh, his impact felt. Now, uh, you mentioned the rankings off the top there. Had they just beaten Cornell and, like, taken care of business against Cornell as they have for the last 50 years, uh, they're probably in the top 25, right? Like if they if they just take care of business against them like they normally did if they just go out there and they beat them by twenty five points like they typically beat Cornell by twenty five points they're probably in the top twenty five. I don't know because I I actually looked at that I said all right who's ahead of them in the top twenty five Furman is still twenty fifth and Furman as you pointed out uh, beat Villanova at Villanova and Furman's undefeated Nebraska seven and one just had a victory in the ACC Big Ten Challenge Maryland seven and one Mississippi State six and one those are the four teams that are 20 through 22 through 25 Villanova then you know Villanova has two losses but they're Villanova SU's got two losses it wasn't just the UConn loss they lost the, the next night too to Oregon you're a so, big fan of the Paladins Who's that, Furman? Yes. I don't even know what their nickname is. I, I didn't either. I, assumed I had to it must, it. Okay. <laughs> I thought I knew what it was, but I wasn't sure, so I Googled it quickly. Is that what you thought it was? Yes. Seriously? I had seen somebody say it like, oh, okay. last week when they beat Villanova. 
I did I did not know that. And I know a, a lot of nicknames. I, I did not know that one. Um, in any event, Syracuse lost two games in New York, not just one. So they've, you know... If they had beaten Cornell, you're saying if they beat Cornell by 25, are they in? Yeah, like they I, I t- would say, like, like they have for the better part of the last 50 years. Cornell comes to the Dome or to Manly Fieldhouse, and you win by 25. Looking at the back end of the top 25, I, I my gut says no, that they wouldn't have been ranked. Um, because again, I mean, Furman Furman deserves to be there. They used to be Villanova, and they're undefeated. Do now, they? Uh, yeah. Do they? Sure. I think so. Do you know who else they've beaten? A lot of teams that we haven't heard of. That is exactly correct. Southern Wesleyan. What's their nickname? I don't know. <laughs> North Greenville. That sounds like a high school. Loyola of... They, oh, they beat Loyola. The Greyhounds? Like the Chicago Loyola. Oh, that went to that, the Final Four last that year. Loyola. <laughs> that would also get them in. Yes, that makes sense. They've got two good wins. Okay, you know what? That's more than Syracuse has. They've got two really good wins. Okay, I get it. And they, I mean, Syracuse was 27th by a wide margin. I mean, Purdue w- was left out by a single vote. Um, Syracuse was was well back, like 40, fo- 40 votes back. So, no, I don't think if they had crushed Cornell, they would have gotten in. But they're they're heading in the right direction. Um, defensively, they've, in, in my opinion anyway, I know a lot of people point to that Cornell game and say they didn't play well defensively. And, you know, Cornell made 46% of its shots and made nine threes. I, I don't know. I, I was fine with the defensive effort. And I watched the game back last night. Um, you know, getting ready for the show today. I, I was comfortable with the defensive effort. Um, they just, you know, to your point a moment ago about Elijah Hughes, it wasn't that he played poorly. He just he kind of just disappeared at times. He only took three shots. Two of them were from long range. He missed them both. He didn't score until the very end. He only played 24 minutes. Do you get the feeling that... I want to be careful with how I phrase this. Do you get the feeling that he's he's still trying to figure out where he fits? Like he's he's still trying to pick his spots and and make sure that he's not stepping on somebody's toes or or whatever it may be. And, I don't and think so. so. I I didn't think so either. But it, this is the kind of game that makes you question it because there there have been games where he's looked really good and and he's put up a lot of points and he's put up a lot of shots and and he's it's it's all kind of come in the flow of the Syracuse offense and it's all worked and then you get a game like Saturday where he just doesn't put shots up. He was the third leading scorer in the game for Syracuse with four. <laughs> four. He was. <laughs> Chuku three. Howard That's three. That's so funny. Buddy Beheim three. Dolajai two. Jalen Carey two. Barama Sidibe one. I'm, I'm assuming Pascal split a pair from the free throw line that I'm that I'm forgetting because there's no way he hit a three. Correct. Um, but I, about the centers, we we have to talk about them for a minute. Hey, just let's finish up the Elijah yeah, yeah, Hughes yeah. conversation first. I, I guess my my thinking is no, I don't. I don't think he's trying to find his role on the team. I think that's that's been established. I think this was a case of O'Shea Brissett showed early on in this game that he could get to the to the basket regardless of who was on him or where he was catching the ball. He was putting his head down. We saw him do it in the second half against Ohio State. He carried it over into this game. He was 5 for 8 from the field. He kept going to the free throw line. 7 for 11 from the free throw line. He either scored or he got fouled. Pretty much any time he put his head down and went to the basket. And Tyus Battle was fantastic. So I guess you could say there weren't a ton of other opportunities. I mean, Tyus took 17 shots. Brissett took eight. It was a slowdown kind of game. Cornell was draining the shot clock every possession. They wanted to shorten the game. We know how you know Syracuse operates on offense. That you know they tend to take some time as well on that end. It was just a it was just a low scoring game, and there's only so many shots to be had. Elijah only took three shots. 
Um, you know, part of that I think came from the fact that O'Shea was getting to the basket with ease, and, and Tyus Battle had a great game. I think it was just one of those nights, but he it did. He did kind of disappear, um, and I, I don't know if that's that's more just he didn't play well or. Tyus was that good and O'Shea was that good that it was, all right, how do we put these guys in position to score? Yeah, I mean, it might have just been a read of the night, right? Tyus and O'Shea are playing well. Tyus and O'Shea are controlling the ball. Let's let them go to work and, and do what they do. Um, you know, and, and against Cornell, that's that's enough to get you a win. But that's not enough to get you a win against most other teams. You know, I don't think it's a stretch to say that's not enough to get you a win Saturday when Georgetown comes up here. You know, and, and I don't think Georgetown's that great. I, you know, it's it's not enough to get you a win when Buffalo comes here, when Bonaventure comes here, uh, when you get into the ACC slate. Like, we, we saw this whole story play out last year. It's not enough to just lean on two or three. Like, you need something else, and, and whether that's Elijah Hughes, as everybody expected it to be, or Marek Dolezal, or, or Jalen Carey, or, or whoever that next guy is, there's got to be somebody else. And Elijah and Frank, you know, we said they didn't score till the very end of the game. Uh, you know, neither one of them had a basket until the end. The, the two baskets those guys hit, they were, they were both very big. I mean, it was a four-point game when Elijah scored his one bucket. It was a drive and lay-in. And then Howard hit that three with the shot clock winding down right in front of the bench. Uh, he was, you know, 0 for his first six, and he's forced to put it up and, and knocks it down. And, and that, you know, made the lead from four to seven. And then, you know, it, it never got closer than that the rest of the way. Syracuse made some free throws and, and whatnot and, and ended up winning, uh, you know, by eight. Um, so even though, you know, they didn't have their best games, they, they both hit big shots when they needed to, made big plays when they needed to. You know, to, to circle back to him, we had uh, Dr. Todd Battaglia on earlier in the show, and, and he talked about not only the physical rehab, but the mental rehab. I, don't you get the feeling that's where we are with Frank right now? Where he said that after the game. You know, Frank he, said that after ha- the game. It, it has to be because he he's only taken you know he took seven shots in the last game. He took eight shots in the previous game. He took five shots in his. He's first only game taken back. threes. He's taken two two shots that are not yeah. three pointers. Uh, to me, that just that just screams that there's just something that he's he's worried about landing wrong. He's worried about uh, getting stepped on. Whatever it might be. That he, he just doesn't want to bang bodies quite yet. He's he's just not ready to go there. And and I think that um until that changes, I don't want to say the team can't play well, but but until that changes, I think that you're gonna see some of the more uh some more of the same with this team offensively. He said that after the game, that he thinks it is more mental right now than physical, and he had to see, you know, all right, what what can my foot take at this point? And you know, he did say that he felt like the Cornell game for him was a step in the right direction, which is which is encouraging. And this is, you know, my feeling. This isn't, you know, any inside information. My feeling is maybe he came back a touch sooner than I don't want to say than he should have, but maybe then he was ready to. You never know. Um, you know, especially after what happened in, down in New York, and there was a little urgency. All right, you know, we need you back. This Ohio State game's a really big game. We'll bring you back the game before, and and we, you know, we need you now. Um, it could be that that maybe he came back a touch early, and now he's feeling like okay, his conditioning is where it needs to be, and you know mentally he said that he felt better after the Cornell game. So we'll we'll see what happens tomorrow night against Northeastern. Yeah, I think that you've just got to wait and see and see how this plays itself out. Uh, he is coming back off an injury, and and obviously there's a rehab process to it, but. Um, he, he hasn't been the same player. Defensively, things are going great. Defensively, the defense, I, I think, has been uh, far better since he's come back than, than it was before. But offensively, he doesn't, 
he's not there yet. He he's not doing what he needs to do. I know you wanted to talk about the centers. Let's let's save that thought as we hit the the top of the hour. Uh, we'll talk some more Q's basketball on the other side again. Full lines remain open at three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Hour number one in the books. We'll kick off hour number two right after this. But first, here's a Sports Center update. Jumper on the way. Good. Tyus Battle nails the three. Dungy. Leaps and into the end zone for Dungy. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered for oh! Soaring through the air. High flying Slovakian. Screen pass here. He'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat. He'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration. Step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio and full lines open all of hour number two at 315-437-7644. We'll get back into Q's football. The Orange, of course, going to the Camping World Bowl down in Orlando, Florida. We'll talk some football here in about 15 minutes, but we continue the basketball talk. And, and Seth, we hit the top of the hour, so I had to cut you off there on your, your thought about the centers. Um, but... I have a feeling I know where you're going with it. Uh, Pascal Chuku and Barama Sidibe uh, continue to struggle. 32 minutes combined in that Cornell game. They combined for four points, five fouls, seven rebounds. And again, Chuku had a big block. He had a big block against Ohio State. He had one big block down the stretch of Cornell. But um, they're they're struggling, and they they need more out of that position. Yeah, it's it's amazing to see. Uh, the regression, because the centers weren't very good last year, but they weren't this bad, right? And and, and we've just seen a regression to the point where, uh, I mean, basically these guys are doing what they did this time last year and, and earlier. You know, they, they're they just playing really poorly, and, and it's it's so bad that it's, it's hard to justify keeping them on the court. It, it really is. Uh, you know, I, I look at this team, and, and they are better right now with Marek Dolajai playing center, playing the five. I don't know how sustainable that is. I don't know that you can do that uh, in an ACC game for large stretches of minutes because the the ACC big men, I think, will wear him down and, and kind of eat him up. And you're going to need those big bodies of Chukwu and Sidibe at some point. But, uh, I mean, you, you can't convince me that right now splitting the five between Dolajai and even O'Shea Brissett isn't a better option than than putting out Chukwu and Sidibe. They're just they're bringing nothing to the table. Second game in a row now that Pascal Chukwu lasted less than a minute before Jim Beheim went to the bench. Now in the Ohio State game, he, he was out there about thirty seconds. Um, Chukwu played uh, essentially the first two minutes against Cornell, but the mistake that he made was giving up a layup behind him. Uh, 56 seconds right. into the game, and the only reason he played more than that is the action continued, and until the next stoppage, he he was on the court. But when that happened, Beheim immediately pointed to Barama to get into the game. So essentially, the last two games, Chuku's lasted a minute in both of them before right. you know Jim Beheim went to the bench. Like it's it's not even it's not even anymore that you're just not doing anything offensively, which. 
you know, we we knew, right? We we knew last year that you weren't going to get much of anything offensively out of the centers, but now you're not even getting anything defensively. You know, Chukwu was a pretty good defender last year. Uh, Sidibe, you know, struggled moving, so so it's harder to say he was a good defender last year, but he offered a little bit more of a scoring punch, and, and now you're not getting the positives from either of them, and you're getting the negatives as well. You know, you're, you're getting the bad that they do, and also those good things that they did last year aren't good anymore. They're not the positive uh, for this team. They just don't help you. They, they just aren't helping you at this point. And again, it's it's a difficult position to be in because you need them. You you need them at some point. You need them against Duke and UNC and Virginia and 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 Virginia Tech and and on down the road. Like you need a big body in the middle. You need a seven. You you don't need a seven three shot blocker, but it's nice to have a seven three shot blocker. You know you you need bigger guys to go up against the ACC teams, and and that's why they've got to keep playing. That's why they've got to get it right now. But they're hurting you. They're they're really well, hurting you out there. I was just gonna say that it's it's not so much you you quote unquote need them. You just need them not to be a liability. And at times we've seen that that they're a liability. Chuku can do, do some really good things, especially on the defensive end. And Barama just does not look a hundred percent healthy. He's said the coaches have said he's not a hundred percent healthy. Still battling that knee tendonitis. Um, he's he's better, I guess, than he was last year, but still does not look to be a hundred percent. They you know gotta hope that that these guys come along. And, and that they play better, because uh, to your point, you're not going through the ACC playing, you know, Merrick in the middle of that zone for, oh. for 30 minutes. I mean, like, he can he can Mer- play it at, at times, and, and that's, a, that's a nice lineup to have on the floor, but there is a, a, there's certainly a place for, you know, for Pascal or for Barama to be out there. He'll get eaten by Luke May and Cam Reddish and, and those guys. I mean, he, like he, you can't do that for 30 minutes against a good team. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Pat in Syracuse has been waiting patiently. Hey, Pat, how are you today? Hey, guys. Happy Monday. How you doing? Good, good. How are you? Good. A uh, cu- couple points on uh, last week. I-, I thought the Ohio State game was about an A-minus performance, and um, that's the product that, that you hope you see, that the defense is there. Um, I thought Ohio State ran three or four sets to start the game that um, – Jim had to make some adjustments, and he did so, and they had no answers after that. Cornell, okay, there's what? About, on average, anywhere from 45 to 55 possessions with, within a game. How many times would you like to see this offense hit the paint? A majority of them. Especially okay. against that against that opponent. Um, yeah. What, what do you think would, would be ideal? Like, and, and when I mean hit the paint, I don't mean just pass it into the post. I'm talking drive. Dribble drive, drive right. kick, inside out and back in. If you said there are, say, if you said there are fifty five possessions, I would say you want to get into the paint on forty uh, on forty five to fifty of them. At least get into the paint. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how many times against Cornell did Syracuse on offense have the ball in the paint? Well, Seth and I are not good people to ask because we we heard your exchange over the weekend, so we know the answer to this. But we'll we'll let you we'll let you continue. So um, I, we know that you said four in the second half, correct? Yep. Okay. It was four in the second half, and three when I started counting at the sixteen minute mark of the first half. So I mean, that's either um, that's an, an approach error. That that is that is flawed when you have size and strength at every position. I do like what you guys are saying about Merrick. I think he's a playmaker, and I, I, I think some people don't really know what that means. And what it means is he can he can go get a bucket for himself or he can make a play for somebody else. And right now, 
there's not a lot of people that can do that for Syracuse because Olaje is trying to get, get his rust off and he's trying to get his own. Tyus is always trying to get his own. Frank is definitely facilitating and not turning it over, but he's not being aggressive driving in the paint. So you absolutely need Merrick. And O'Shea, he is a below-average passer as well. So, I mean, we're basically a finesse team not playing finesse is, is the way I look at it. I think this team needs to run more. I think that we need to um, let these athletes play and not be subject to such offense that is – I mean, the offense is – what what we're running is so easy to scout. Tyus Battle is one of the most athletic and versatile type players in terms of he can score on all three levels, but he's easy to scout when we're running the same two plays all the time. So I have some concern about the offense. I have also learned throughout the years that you can't take a game against Cornell and have it be the be-all, end-all, because that product on the floor against Cornell is a bottom-four team in the ACC, and I, I don't think we are. But that was not fun to go watch. I was hoping it would be more entertaining with Buddy and um, Jimmy and Julie and all that. And and I I didn't enjoy the game. And I just want to say, I think what we should do is when Chuku's in the game, we should press and have him as a rim protector. I think part of the problem that I'm seeing with the centers is they're not in the rhythm of the offense. And as so many announcers have hinted throughout the years, you got to give the big man a touch, and you know, you got to re- reward him sometimes. You know, if he gets a rebound, I just think this team is 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 so rusty. When you look at Sid of his rust and Hughes and Howard, that's a lot. That's a lot. I think moving forward, I hope Jim will insert Merrick more, but then that's a catch twenty two because then you're not developing Sid of Um I think this team has a lot of solutions, but it has uh, two or three more problems than I thought we'd have at this point. All right, appreciate you checking in, uh, Pat. A um, couple things in terms of you know, given the centers more touches, um, I don't know how to, <laughs> they haven't exactly shown well, they deserve more touches. I was gonna say I don't know how to, I don't know how to put this the right way, but so say you bring Pascal up on a like a high pick and roll, he's not really a threat to like you're coming off the screen. You're you're probably not going to give it up to him. No, and and you know what he hasn't. He hasn't shown over the last season plus that that he can catch and finish. You know, he hasn't he hasn't shown that he can be or, a threat or, on a pick and roll or he catch and do something right. with it. Not even catch and finish, but if you if sure. you if it's a high pick and roll and you you know you get the ball 10, 15 feet away from the basket, is he able to make a pass to a cutter or is he is he able to make the right basketball play? Again, this is not a knock against Pascal. That's not no. necessarily a strength. Well, he has strengths and weaknesses, just like every other player. Um, no, but but you know what? His, if, you, his, if you put Marek Dolajai in a high pick and roll, that, and that's the, where I was going the three with that. point line extended, then then you're able to you're able to give him the ball at the free throw line, and he'll go to the basket. He'll put, he'll put it up. Now he can make pass threes. It out. Right. You <laughs> that, can, that was he, where I was going with this. Was that Merrick has become a guy that like if you're playing pickup, you want Merrick on your team. You yes. just do because he's. He's he's so low maintenance. He doesn't need shots to be engaged. He doesn't need shots to impact the game. But when he gets shots, you know he's shown a he can make them, and 
and B, he's, he's, he's shown that he doesn't mind taking important shots. He did it against Ohio State. They needed a spark. He came in and hit those two big threes. He's low maintenance. He just plays hard all the time. And more often than not, he's making the right basketball play. And we weren't sure what, what Merrick's role was going to be on this team. Remember at the beginning of the year, we said, all right, who's going to miss out on minutes with Hughes and Brissett and, and Battle and Howard and, you know, and you got the two centers, and well, it might be Merrick. Merrick's no. going to find a way on the court. I just he he's going to he play twenty five minutes, and he continues to impress me. The more that I see him play, he just he just does his job, whatever that is. You put me at the four, okay. You put me at the five, okay. Whatever. I'm just going to go out and play basketball. That's why, like to me, he just if I'm playing pickup, I want him on my team because he's just a basketball player. He doesn't fall under the category of well, he can only play this position or that position or. You know, he just he just goes out in place, and and uh, you know he's he's a, an important part of this team. And you know, I, I'm guilty of saying that at the beginning of the year, Seth. I thought, you know, all right, well, his minutes are going to suffer. I think I'm going back on that. I, I think yeah. they they want him on the court. They need him on the. You know, you, you want me on that wall. You need <laughs> you, me on that right. wall. Do you even know what I'm referring to? Uh, yes, <laughs> few good men. Yeah, few good men. Yes, okay. Yes, I made a movie I, reference. It's no, always I knew, dicey no, with you. I thought it was a few good men, but I was like blanking on it for a second. But yes, okay. Uh, but you know, we we you mentioned the pick and roll, and I and I had this thought. What what were we talking about at the end of last season? At the end of last season, we were saying. Wow, wouldn't it make a lot more sense to start putting O'Shea Brissett in the pick and roll and have him be the screen guy, and then he can go and he can be the guy who pops from fifteen, who who maybe flares out and shoots a three, goes to the basket, and like now we can say that with with Marek as well. But doesn't it like doesn't it make a lot more sense to get your offense going with one of those two guys setting the screen? And and maybe it's more realistic to say O'Shea can do it this year because now you got Elijah Hughes as another guy who can who can stand out there and be a threat. Because last year, if you were doing that, that meant like Marek was standing in the corner trying to be a threat, and the defense would just leave him and and go somewhere else. But like at some point, you've got to rely on somebody else and 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 not say, hey, the centers will just set a bad screen and and we'll move along with our offense. Like, how about get a better screen and have more options of doing something on the other side of it? And I would think that would be O'Shea or Marek. Or set a screen and then, you know, finish around the basket. And that has been an issue yes. for the centers. So, yeah, I think that that's, that's a concern. It's something that they're going to continue to, to work on. And, and they, they have the ability now to, to work on, you know, leading up to ACC play. You've got, what, one, two, three, four. You've got six more home games. And, and some of the, you know, some of the opponents coming in are pretty good. Buffalo, St. Bonaventure, Georgia, uh, Georgetown, uh, Northeastern, you know, we said beat Alabama already this year. So not that Northeastern is a quality opponent, but you've got six home games against decent competition to get you ready for the ACC. Um, priority number one, get more out of the centers. Yes. I would still like to see my turbocharged offense lineup. That'd be fun. I know you do. O'Shea you want O'Shea at the five. I think it'd be so fun. I mean, like it would it would probably mean something goes horribly wrong. We were like two plays away from it in the Ohio State game. We were like two plays away from seeing that. Uh, it would mean something went horribly wrong, but it, it would be so much what, fun. What, like five guys fall out? Yeah, I, well, that's what I, happened I on, on Wednesday. I yes. know. All right, we do need to take another timeout. Full lines remain open at 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio.